My, my parents' church is especially bad about that. They, it is like herding cats, trying to get them back in their seats after you open it up to greeting time. Uh, okay, well, um, if I don't know you or if you don't know me, my name is Graham. Uh, I'm one of the communicators on our communications team uh, here at Crossroads. And um, I just wanted to start off by asking all of you a question. And this is a question that you can just kind of answer for yourself, or if it's a really good answer, catch somebody later and tell them. Um, but you don't have to raise your hand or shout it out. Uh, the question is, what is the most generous thing someone has ever done for you? For me, the first thing that came to mind when I was considering this question was my very first car. Uh, so I had recently gotten my license and was eager to start driving on my own. And that summer, I was helping our youth pastor with a camp that our church was putting on. Um, and uh, over the course of that week, um, I explained to plenty of people that I was saving up money for a car, but also I was um, putting my trust in God that he would provide a car, because saving takes forever, and trusting you can kind of do right away. Um, <laughs> and so I was telling people that, you know, oh yeah, that's just what I'm up to. Um, and uh, my youth pastor's wife found out about this, and she realized that they had a car. Uh, it had some issues, some minor things, but it was still drivable, and um, she was, uh, they were happy, and she was generous enough uh, to just give it to me, straight out. Uh, just, she's like, I want to make a gift of this car. I want to bless you with it. Here it is. Uh, and it was a gray-green, it was such a hard, like if someone said, which one, which car is yours? I'm like, it's kind of gray, kind of green, depending on your eyes. Um, it, but it wasn't even like military green. It was such a weird color, but it was beautiful 2004 VW Passat with way more engine than a 16-year-old needed. And I was in love with it the moment I learned how to drive its tra uh, manual transmission, which took a while. Um, but it was a huge blessing, and I appreciated it more than words could ever express to that couple, and I still do. I look back very fondly over the memories I had uh, driving in that car and, and just what an awesome gift that was to me. Now, when I tell that story, you may think, wow, they must have been very well off if they were willing to just give away a whole car. And the answer to that um, idea is not really. Like I said, her husband was a youth pastor, um, which is not exactly the most massively lucrative field to go into. Sorry, Nate, if you're listening to this, but you, you know better than most that that's true. Um, and because it, it wasn't that they were millionaires and had like seven different cars and this was just the one that they didn't meaning to get rid of anyway. Uh, what it was was they, God had blessed them before. So they, uh, whenever they, they heard what I was looking for, they looked at what they had and they felt moved to give it. That's kind of a, a very key idea we'll talk about is they looked at what they had and what they were able to give and they felt the need to do it. That, now, that car is a very dramatic example of generosity, but there are so many other examples that I receive all the time from people in this church, in this very room. Uh, Dave is incredibly generous with his garage, his tools, and his knowledge of fixing cars. Uh, Jake, who is not here, is, uh, is generous with the room that he lets me rent in his house. Um, Jackie, who is here, is very generous with the snacks that she brings and the food that she'll uh, always shows up with. Um, you know, we have uh, Kate, uh, Cameron, who is very generous with his time behind the uh, soundboard. Uh, Carl is generous with his musical talents and gifts. Uh, and, you know, 
those are acts of generosity that I get to benefit from all the time. And not all of them have even a little bit to do with money, right? Um, several of the examples I just gave take place right here on Sundays. But today I want to talk to you about what it looks like for the church, that would be you and me, uh, to be generous the rest of the week as well. Because we're in the middle of our Monday morning crossroads series, uh, where the idea is, what does it look like for us to be the church every single day of the week, instead of just on Sundays? Our first uh, message was on, how's your worship? Uh, last week, we talked about, how is your life's message? Uh, and today, we're looking at a different question. Because church shoppers and church attendees sometimes wonder, what does the church do with their resources to be generous towards others, right? When they're considering a new church. Uh, have any of you had that thought before? Because I'll admit, I definitely have, right? When I see a church with nice lights and comfy pews and well-dressed people up on the stage, I can get pretty judgmental of where is all of this going, right? Like, where, how are they able to do that? And I start to ask some questions that might not be the most uh, charitable. But an even better question to start asking ourselves is, what am I doing with the resources that God has given me to be generous towards others? Because we all have been given something by God. The word generosity often makes us think uh, uh, exclusively about money. Um, in fact, whenever I asked you what's the most generous thing someone's done for you, you probably thought of money that somebody gave you or a bill that they paid or a gift that they got you, right? We often just tie it to those material things, um, which is certainly true. But it's not always talking about money because you may be blessed financially, sure, or you could be blessed with unique skills or even just a flexible schedule where you are able to be generous with your time. Whatever it is that God has given you, the Bible makes it clear that he expects us, not just suggests, but like he really expects us to be generous with what that is. In fact, the word talent that we use, right, though on like America's Got Talent or you're a very talented person, right, we use it all over the place, comes from a story in the Bible where Jesus tells us that, uh, he tells a parable, right, a story that's meant to teach us a lesson about these three servants of a master and he gives them each a certain amount of money. I think it's like, uh, 10 talents, 5 talents, 1 talent, and he goes away for a whole year. The guy with 10 talents makes big money off of it. He invests it. He uses it wisely and is able to give back 10 more. The guy with 5, he's a little more conservative, but he still uses it. He's able to give his master back even more. But the one who only had 1 takes it and buries it, completely hiding it, doesn't use it because he's afraid. If I use it, what if I lose it? Right? So he gives back to the master the one gift that he gave him, and the master is furious. He said, if I, wanted, uh, you know, if I wanted it to be kept safe, you should have put it in a bank so I could collect interest. And he's very upset with him, right? Um, and so that idea of we have all been given a talent has then turned into the idea not just of money, as it is in the story, but how we use it today, of a gift, right? Something that we have been given that's inside of us. And just like the story, we are each given a unique gift by God. Some gifts are flashier than others, but as the story demonstrates, God values each one the same, right? In the story, the master is not no big deal. It was a small talent anyway. He values each one just the same. He, what mattered to him was, did you use it well? And so that's one example, but we can clearly see 
God's stance on generosity in the book of 1 Timothy, when Paul, who's the author, uh, writes a letter to his friend uh, Timothy, who is a pastor um, of a church, and, and he says this uh, in 1 Timothy 6, chap, uh, verses 18, uh, verse 18, it says, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and should give happily to those in need, always being ready to share what other, uh, with others what God has given them. Notice that money is mentioned, right? Because generosity and money, it's hard to separate them. But so are good works. And at the end, he even uh, says that we should be generous with whatever God has given them. He's telling us that everything that we call ours, our time, our car, our money, our clothes, shoes, food, attention, and skills, all of it should be ready to be freely given when an opportunity shows up, right? And he uses pretty strong language. He's not suggesting it, or if they really want another opportunity to be good, he says, tell them to. Because perhaps the greatest barrier that we face to this kind of uh, thinking is the belief that we are just too poor to be generous. And that's simply not true. God is always blessing us. And if we take the time to notice, and that's the key, right? Because I might have just said that then and said, God is always blessing us. And let me make it more personal. God is always blessing you. If that makes you a little offended of like, no, he doesn't. God doesn't bless me. You don't know what my life's like. I'd encourage you. Maybe you're just not looking at it, right? Maybe you're looking at what you don't have, and you're completely missing the ways that God is faithful, kind, and generous towards you, right? We are all getting gifts from him all the time in various different ways, and those blessings create an opportunity to be generous towards others, right? It's like God giving us individual moments to practice being like him, right? He says, I am the God, the, the, the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, to use some, some Bible talk for you, right? He's like, I got it all, and I'm willing to be generous with you. Now take what I've been generous with you, practice being like me, and be generous to others, right? It's, he's giving us an opportunity to live like he lives. Now, we can again see God's thoughts on this matter in another book of the Bible, 1 John, where in chapter 3, verse 17, he says, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person, right? It's a strong accusation. How can God's love be in that person at all, right? How much clearer could he be with that? If we have and are unwilling to give, then we can't really say that we're filled with God's love. And here's what I hope you take away from what I'm talking about today. We can all afford to be generous no matter how poor we feel, right? Now, notice the wisdom in that verse before that he's advising. If you have enough, the exact words is, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Notice the wisdom there, right? Um, it's, the, the, the question is, if you have enough. My goal today is not to wring those last few dollars that you have out of you, uh, and because if money is the area that is tight for you, see if there's another area that you can be generous in. If not your treasure, then maybe your time or your talent. 
because this isn't like a, uh, this isn't a sales pitch, right? I'm not trying to get more out of you. I'm trying to give you an opportunity to do more, right? I, I know for myself, when I've had tight times, it feels like I'm trapped, like that there's nothing I can do, right? I would do that, but, I would do that, but, right? God wants us to live in freedom at all times. So he's saying, you always got something. Now, this topic can make people feel very defensive, and I'm very well aware of that. Um, there may be some of you who are hearing me and have questions like, I hear what you're saying, but why? Why is it so important? The obvious answer is that God told us so, right? That we should be obedient, but that's not, doesn't always satisfy our curiosity of why, right? Not just do it because you're supposed to. There's more to it than that, for sure, because it's good for everyone involved. Uh, in fact, in the book of Acts in the Bible, chapter 20, verse 35, uh, I'll just paraphrase. It. What it says is, uh, it is better for us to give than to receive. In other words, when we stop looking only at ourselves and what we do or don't have and look at others and what we can do for them, God blesses that joy. He blesses that with joy, with community, with fulfillment, right? That is God taking care of us when times are lean. If we're hoarding and holding close to ourselves and turtling up when things get tough, what a miserable way to live, what a lonely way to live, right? God's going to get you through that, but this is him saying, I want to get you through that, and I want you to have that joy, to have that community, to have that fulfillment. Now, I speak from experience with this um, because there's all kinds of things where I might feel like I don't have enough, but whenever I still push through and give, man, it's amazing. I know that last week Crystal talked about VBS uh, as one of her examples, but it's a pretty good example. If you weren't there, it was incredible. It was so fun. Um, me personally, one of my uh, areas of poverty, if you will, is time. I'm a very busy person, all right, and God's working with me on that. But it means that I can't always commit to everything. But I did decide to commit to VBS, and the first night when I walked in, I'm like, what was I thinking? I don't have enough time to be doing this, right? Like, this is, I'm going to be exhausted at work tomorrow. Like, it's hot out. But then the kids came in, and we started singing songs and doing uh, worship and, and our motions, and we were praising God, right? And I realized, what am I doing here? I'm just here. I'm just giving my time. God's the one who's making this so special, right? I was generous with that little bit because I didn't have much. Man, God made something big out of it. Now, beyond the church, right, there's lots of ways that we can be generous. There's a community center that meets here in this building that I work with sometimes. Um, I'm on the board with them, but also I kind of help with the outreaches. And this past week, I went rock climbing with the kids, helped them learn how to tie themselves in and climb up the wall. I don't have time for that, right? I'm busy. I don't have time to go stand in a climbing gym and pull kids up and down the wall all day and never get to climb myself. I don't have time for that. It was amazing, guys. It was so fun. There was one boy that when he walked in that gym, he would go two holds up and say, okay, I think I'm done. You can let me down. By the end, I'm not exaggerating, last one off the wall. He was into it. He was loving it because me, my, my, myself, and, and Nate, and, and Katie Frickle, and a couple of other uh, people were just generous with our time. Right? Even if we only had a little. We came in, we taught them how to climb, they had a blast. Um, 
me and Megan, we will sometimes do Sabbath dinners at her house, and that is an investment of time, treasure, and talent, because we're cooking for our friends. It takes time to put together. Then we just sit and eat and chat. I've never not looked forward to that. It is an amazing time of refreshing and being with friends. My point is that when you give, when you're faithful to give, even just out of the little bit, God gives you so much more back. I can think about times where we've done uh, not fun work, like digging out sprinklers here in the hot sun, but there was a group of us and we were all pitching in. It was a great time. Or busting out a concrete slab, again in the hot sun, but there was a bunch of us, so it was a great time, right? Or helping people move. Is there a job worse than helping people move? But it was a great time because there was a bunch of people there and we were all helping, right? The point is, we can all afford to be generous, no matter how poor we feel. Because the truth is, if you feel poor, it might be that you're looking at the wrong measure, right? Because God is faithful to give you something. He, God is faithful to sustain you. And so no matter how poor we feel, we're still able to be generous. Now, you guys are already doing such a good job. I've had a wealth of examples to draw from just from the people in this room. Um, and so I've already mentioned that, but I do want to still challenge you. What are you still holding back? What has God placed in your life to be shared that you are keeping to yourself? What talent have you buried out back that God would love to see you make good use of? When you answer that question, don't let areas of your life that are lacking direct you. Instead, remember, we can all afford to be generous no matter how poor we feel. Now, just as an encouragement, find somewhere in your life where you can get plugged in and give some of your time or your talent or your treasure. Some examples that we've thought of is, even though this is Monday morning uh, crossroads as the series, you can still serve on Sunday, right? We're not, we're not saying that that's excluded from this message. So you can serve on Sundays. You can come to the volunteer meeting on August 6th. Um, you can find a local charity to work with. You can volunteer here at the Connection Center. You could find a local school that just needs you to read to a kid, right? Something. Uh, you can help a neighbor, right? Ask God what he wants to see you grow in generosity and start doing it. We're going to wrap up real quick, and as we do, if we can have the uh, worship team come up and the prayer teams as well. Uh, but before we go, I do want to give all of you an opportunity. Um, an opportunity that if, if there's anyone here who does not know Christ as their Savior, getting saved is as simple as recognizing that you can't save yourself, that your sins, uh, from your sins, and accepting the freedom that Jesus offers us. As that verse from 1 John said earlier, God's love fills us with compassion and generosity, and that spills over into the lives of people around us. So if you want to be filled with love from a God who was so generous to us that he didn't even hold back from giving his only son to die for us, I want to give you an opportunity right now, if you're that person, if you're the one who's like, I've never even given him a shot, you can go ahead and raise your hand. If there's anyone in this room who would say that. Okay, that's fine. But you know what? I would still like for all of us to pray uh, a prayer of salvation because I think that sometimes we know, right, what it means to be saved, but I hope that this would maybe remind you of what it was like when it happened to you. So we're going to say this all together. I'll say a line, you say a line, right, that whole thing. 
Um, focus on what those words are saying, right? Help that to maybe inspire some of that generosity in you and maybe help you if you run into somebody who wants to pray with you. These are maybe some words you could use, but repeat after me, please. Jesus, I believe you died for me to rescue me from my sin. I need you in my life to wash me clean and to teach me how to live. I ask you to do that right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, salvation doesn't require that you raise your hand up in church. It is a, a deeply personal moment between you and the God who desperately wants to save you. So if you were intimidated about raising your hand and you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I want to be the first one to welcome you into the family of God. All right? Because that's all it takes is that simple acknowledgement. So with that, I think we're going to go into another song of worship and then... That'll be the end for tonight, but thank you very much.